judgment of the world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So, we've been in this study for a while, and we're going to continue down this way a little bit tonight. If you want any of these recordings, they are on my podcast, lifeinchristjesus.podbean.com. That's in an audio file. Uh, three or four of them are on Facebook. You can just go to my Facebook page and you can find them. And they're out on YouTube. The judgment of the world is a, is a great topic for today because a lot of people are concerned with the judgment of the world. A lot of God's people are caught up with the idea that the pandemic is the judgment of the world. That's what a lot of people are thinking today. But Jesus said in the book of John, He said, now is the judgment of the world. Well, He said that 2,000 years ago. Now is the judgment of the world, and He was headed to the cross. And so the judgment of the world was the cross. I may not understand all judgment, and the Lord may enlighten me to more judgment, but we're going to talk a little bit more about the judgment of the cross. And in John 5, John 5, verses 19 through 31, the Bible Reads, well, I've got to get to John 5 myself. I'm in the wrong book. So if I read to you right there, I wouldn't read what it says. But verse 19, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he does, these also the Son does likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and shows him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. Before I go further in this, I want to point something out to you. A lot of Christians take the Scripture out of John 14 and they say, greater works than, Jesus said, greater works than these ye shall do. You shall do these works and greater works also, he says in John 14. Here, if you notice what he says, he says, For as the Father, for the Father loves the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. Well, if you go back to the first of this chapter, you will find Jesus come to the pool of Bethsaida, and he heals the man at the pool of Bethsaida. Now, I, I don't think the Bible says whether he heals anyone else or not, but he heals the, the man at the pool of Bethsaida. And he says, you will do, he says, God is going to show greater works than these. And, and it's just like he says in John 14, that, that the works that I do, you will do also. 
which is the healing of the sick. So, so I want to make this plain. I believe God manifests healing through His body, through His church. But when I get into the greater works, see, what people have done is they said the greater works, I, I've heard people say this, and, and I want to challenge you a little bit. I want you to think about it. I've heard people say, well, greater works is now there's more of Jesus in more people. And greater works are going to happen because there's more of Him in more people. And there may be a truth to that, but I want you to look real close at what he says here in John 5. He says that the Father showed him all things that he does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Now verse 21, For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Here's the greater works. See, the greater work that Jesus was even speaking about in John 14 was, and He told the believer, He said, you're, you're going to do the same works I do, which is the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, all the miracles, signs, and wonders, but greater works than these shall ye also do. Here's the greater work, is quickening the dead. Quickening bringing life to the dead. That's the greater work that you may marvel. And verse 22 says, the Father, For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment to the Son. So all judgment is given to the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. The hour is coming, and now is that the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in Himself, so has He given to the Son to have life in Himself also, and have given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. So He's going to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Now, now let this ring in our hearts with what Jesus says later in John, now is the judgment of the world. So Jesus is going to execute judgment because He's the Son of Man. So because He's the Son of Man, He's executing judgment. Now what does, what does that mean, He's going to execute judgment because He's the Son of Man? What in the world is Jesus talking about? He's executing judgment because He's the Son of Man. Well, it's the cross. 
That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the judgment of the world at the cross. And how he executes judgment as the Son of Man is he became a man. The reason this had to happen goes all the way back to the beginning when God created the heaven and the earth and He made man and He gave man dominion in the earth. Who did He give dominion in the earth in the beginning? He gave it to the natural man. He told Adam He had all dominion in the earth. Do you, you all remember that? So Adam was given dominion and Adam received of the enemy. He received into his heart of the word of the enemy, and through that word came death. Through that disobedience is what the Bible said. Death came through one man and passed upon all men. So Jesus had to execute the judgment on that man by becoming the Son of Man. So by Him becoming the Son of Man, see, in the beginning, Jesus was not a Son of Man. In the beginning, John writes, was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John writes, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And He as a man bore in His body the sin of mankind, and He also executed judgment. That's what... Paul writes, I believe it's in Romans 8, that he judged sin or condemned sin. And the word condemn in Romans 8 is judge. He judged sin in the flesh. And what he did with sin in the flesh is he put it to death. So he executed judgment and he put sin to death. And how he put sin to death was he was made to be sin for us. He that knew no sin, Paul writes, became sin. He was made sin for us and died the death of the cross that we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. And that's a judgment. See, we don't see the righteousness of God as a judgment, but honey, that's a judgment that you are the righteousness of God. God has judged you righteous through Christ. If God's dear people would understand that, that they have been judged in Christ, by Christ, they would become free from a lot of the torment that they are in in the earth. A lot of God's people are walking around in a lot of torment in their hearts and their minds because of judgment. Because they're, you know, I know this because as a young man in the Pentecostal church, I was forever afraid I was missing God. In fact, I was afraid I was missing God for even much of my walk as the revelation word began to work in me. As God began to reveal Himself in me, I still had this, this idea of judgment that was different than God's idea of judgment. So God judged the world at the cross. And here, here in the simplicity of this judgment, if you turn over to the book of 1 John, in the book of 1 John chapter 5, 
verse 10. 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, it says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given us to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son, say this, he that has the Son has life. Is that judgment? This is, a, this is the decision of God. This is God's decision. See, this goes back to John 5 where we were, and we're going to flip back there, but I want to read the rest of this. He that hath the Son has life. He that hath not the Son has not life. So, this understanding must be realized in our hearts. Glory to God. Folks, I, I've got some kind of major echo, so I'm going to unmute you all and put you back on mute. So everybody's unmuted, and I'm putting you back on mute trying to get rid of this echo. Where's the echo? Can you hear it? It's, it's... Everybody else can hear it? No, I think it's just at me. But I'm coming... You don't want to hear it? Honey, yeah. It's me. Okay. So here we go. Sorry about that, but the, but getting back into this... He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Is that a judgment? Sure. Go back to John 5. Go back to John chapter 5. And look at this real close in John chapter 5. God hath given to Christ the ability to execute judgment because... He is the Son of Man. And it says in, For as the Father raiseth the dead and quickeneth them. Alright, the dead. Who did the Father quicken? He quickened Christ. Right? Christ died and was buried. And in the book of uh, Acts 2, and he's coming out of one of the scriptures of Psalms, he said, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Who, who's ever read that? All of us have, right? So God raised him out from the dead. Now get a hold of this. Jesus never died in sin. He never became a sinner. He never became the nature of Adam. He never died in sin. But He died to sin and He bore in His death our sin. So He was quickened out from the dead. And it says here, 
As the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth, the word them's not really in there, that's, that's italicized. So the Father quickeneth, or the Father maketh alive, even so the Son quickeneth whom He will. And Jesus told you who He will. He said, He that believeth on Me hath everlasting life. So this is who He quickeneth. He that believeth on Me hath everlasting life. He that believeth not shall not see life. So the quickening of the dead come to the person of Jesus Christ. And this is where the judgment came. And the judgment came to be, He that hath the Son has life, and he that has not the Son has not life. So it come to a position of life. Paul writes in Timothy that Christ is the judge of the quick, the living, and the dead. John says we have passed from the dead, we've passed from death into life. Well, how did I pass from death into life? I passed out of death through Christ into life. Because I'm baptized into His death. I'm buried in His burial. And I'm raised in His life. And see, His death was death to my old man. His burial put away the man of sin. Put him away. Did away with him. And His life brings me forth in a brand new day. In a brand new reality. Flip over to Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I saw this a couple years ago, and I had read Hebrews 12. I had preached out of Hebrews 12 so many times. It, you know, my saying is it wasn't funny. I preached there often, but, but flip there for a moment. In verse 22, he says, But you have come to Mount Zion. You have come. You're not coming. You're not marching there. You're there and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. So we're the church of the firstborn from the dead who, is, who are written in heaven. And to God the judge of all. Read this again. To God the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Stop there. In the old covenant, God was the judge through the law. In the old covenant, the spirits of men were not made perfect. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said they come over and over and over to the sacrifice and offering and could not be perfected. In this same book it says it through 
throughout these chapters that they kept coming to the sacrifice and offering and they could never be made perfect through them. But here in Hebrews 12, he says, you've come, you've not, and he starts off telling you, you've not come back to Sinai. You've not come back to that understanding. You've not come back to that covenant. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to God, the judge of all, and to this judgment that the spirits of just men are made perfect. Do you believe that? That men have been perfected? Do you believe that? I'm going to show you this in the the Scripture in another place. To To the spirits of just men made perfect that word Perfect means to complete. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, the better covenant, the final covenant, the great covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. And we'll stop here. So here we've come to a new covenant, to a new day, to a new judgment. And in this judgment, he that hath the Son hath life. He's passed out of death into life. So, what's there left for me to do if I passed out of death into life? Turn to Colossians 2. Verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Here's what we have to do. We got to walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding. I got off on this other night. This word abounding, abounding. I have come that you may have life and have it abundant. That you may abound in life, abounding therein in Christ in thanksgiving. And Paul warns them to let not man spoil you. I won't read all this, but verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So all that's God is in Christ. And you are in Christ. Who's in Christ? You. And you are in Him. You are complete in Him. The word complete here is to make replete, to cram, to level up, to furnish, to satisfy. Here's your satisfaction. Like Mick Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction. Paul says right here is satisfaction. Right here is completion. Right here is what you need is what is in Christ. That you would be complete. See, the heart of man all over the earth is looking for completion, folks. 
I don't care what man you're dealing with, he or she, many Christians unfortunately are looking for their completion. But the sinner, the lost man, the unregenerate man, is looking for completion. And Paul says our completion is in Christ. What's sad is most Christians don't understand their completions in Christ. Most Christians are looking for a completion in some other day. The some other day is Him. He is some other day. He's a whole new day, folks. He's a whole new man. We may not have seen, and none of us sitting here have seen all that's in this day that we've come into. But we were not in this day through our mother's womb. We were not born here by the flesh. We didn't come here because we were men of flesh. We come here because we've been quickened together with Him to come to the knowledge of the Son. Paul calls it adoption in a number of places in the Scripture. The word adoption in your Bible does not mean the same thing that we think of when we think of adoption. It means the placing of a son coming to maturity, coming to understanding. Those that walk by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. They are the mature ones. So when we become born again, we're born of Spirit. But Paul talked to believers in Corinth, and told them, you walk as men. Now, they were born of spirit, but they were still carnal-minded. So, uh, with the carnal mind, they were walking as men. But here we've come to be adopted. To the adoption. And the adoption is the placement of a son. That we might grow up in him in all things. And see, when we grow up in Him in all things, then we're going to manifest Him to the earth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I'm trying not to go there again. I was here this morning, but I'm going to have to and end with this. Ephesians 1. And God keeps emphasizing Ephesians 1 in my heart. And so he keeps emphasizing that in my heart over and over again in, in one particular place. The church, which is his body. Paul's praying that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened in the knowledge of Christ. That you might know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his saints. And the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Now this exceeding power of the resurrection is toward us. is toward you and me. This is what's toward us. What God did in Christ. 
And he seated him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named in this world, and that which is to come. And I put all things, all things. You know, I hear a lot of people saying, talking about he's got to do more things, put, all, do, put more things under his feet. But Paul writes here, he's put all things under his feet. All and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. The head is dealing with the supreme ruler. So when Jesus said the ruler of this world will be cast out to the church, the prince or the ruler of this world doesn't have any dominion. Who has dominion is our head, who is Christ. And we are His body, the fullness of Him that fills all in all. The church, which is His body. Like, I had a brother get upset at me because I told him I didn't believe in seven church ages. <laughs> and he was talking about the church age ending. And I said, how can the church age end? The church is His body. His body, of the increase of His government, there is, according to Isaiah, no end. So here the church is His body, the fullness of Him, His expression in the earth. That's what the church is. is the expression of Christ in the earth. Do we see that, folks? Till we come to the unity of the faith, till we come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, we'll keep looking somewhere else rather than where our answer is at. Our answer is in the person of Christ and having Jesus Christ revealed in our hearts and our minds to be transformed to manifest Him. Not to manifest ourselves, but to become the manifestation of Christ in the earth. That's what our souls hunger for, is that God fill us, reveal, because He's filled us with the fullness of Him. He that filleth the church is His body, the fullness of Him. That fills all the members with all things of Himself. So Paul prayed that our eyes of our heart would be enlightened to this very thing, that Christ has filled us with His fullness, that we would manifest Him to the earth. Man, there's been nothing greater in my walk with God than having Christ revealed, having God revealed in my life. I've... And I'm stopping here. I'm 31 minutes, and I try to keep it to 30 minutes, so I'm stopping here. I have cried out many times for God's people to see this, to experience it, that it be made real, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you might know Him in His fullness. Because this is where our hearts become satisfied, is in the knowing of Him. Well, God bless you. I'm going to open it up.
and or try to anyway. Unmute. You are unmuted. 